0: Welcome to Homeschool Musings. This is Mina, your host, where we dive into all things homeschool, curriculum, philosophy, poetry, daily reflections, and so much more. Thank you for joining us. Hello, and welcome to Homeschool Musings. This is Mina, your host, and today we have the pleasure of having Megan with us. She is the creator of Rooted Childhood, and she is a wife and mother to three little children. So let's give her a welcome. Hi, Megan. Glad you're here with us.
1: Hi, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Awesome. So why don't you go ahead, tell us about your kids, tell us about your homeschool life, your philosophy, and kind of what your rooted childhood is all about.
1: Okay, sure. So I, uh, like you said, I have three kids and we live in Texas. We live on about seven acres. And when we started homeschooling, I knew that having a little bit of land and being outdoors was really more than just, you know, something that I wanted for me, but I really wanted it for our lifestyle and as part of our homeschool. So we actually moved just before my daughter uh, turned five or it was right around her birthday. We moved And it was really so that we could give them this lifestyle that I had read about when my oldest daughter was about two. I read For the Children's Sake by Mm -hmm. Susan Schaefer McCauley. And it is kind of a narration of Charlotte Mason's home education volumes. And it really just connected me in a big, big way. And I really had never thought about homeschooling. It was not something that was on my radar not something I ever thought I would do. I loved school. I went to public school my whole life. My husband and I were both very involved in extracurricular activities. We both went to public universities and were still involved. My husband was a football player. I was in the band. And it was just always something that we just expected that we would send our kids to public school just like we did. But when I read that book, and I don't even remember how I found that book or who <laughs> recommended it to me. But I remember it's it's a really small book. It's not very big. And I devoured it. And when I finished that book, I told my husband, hey, we're going to be homeschooling. <laughs> and it just changed my life. And so... It took a few years to get to the point where I knew we moved out into the country and I I spent a few years just preparing myself for the journey of homeschooling and working on things that I needed to retrain myself to think about and to prepare myself to be teaching my daughter and eventually more children. And really, I am so Happy that we made that move. It has been the biggest blessing for our whole family and has really just changed the fabric of our family's existence. And we have such a rich and beautiful, just wonderful life. Not to say that there aren't struggles or hard days or anything, but homeschooling just has been a huge blessing for our family and given us back tenfold what we have put into it. So I have been blogging even before we started our homeschool journey i had been blogging about life and parenthood and continued once we started homeschooling and that's kind of where rudy's childhood was born was after a few years of living this lifestyle i wanted to share that with others because i really believe that if a family wants this kind of a lifestyle it can really be attainable and it doesn't matter where you live you don't have to move to the country like we do it doesn't matter you know if you're working part time or if both parents are working full time There's so many different scenarios and it really boils down to just real belief in being able to give this gift of a childhood to our children. And there's so many ways that we can do that and there's no one right way to do it. And I developed these monthly collections just to bring a little bit of beauty and pause to our days that whether we're homeschooling or traditional schooling or, you know, whatever we're doing, our days can get kind of busy and crowded with some things that maybe push some other things that we might think are important, but they get pushed aside pretty easily. So that's what I've designed my Rooted Childhood monthly collections to bring those back to the forefront and just give us a little bit of time with our kids while they're really little to focus on those beautiful things.
0: Awesome! And so do you find that the Rooted Childhood Collection, have they kind of changed as your daughter has gotten older? Are you starting, are they just really more for that young childhood? Yeah, I would say
1: they're really designed for probably kids about like three to eight. My daughter is still eight. She's almost (laughs) nine. But she still loves everything in them. But I think she's getting to be the point where, you know, kids just hit a certain age where they're not so into, you know, like singing little nursery rhymes or doing hand clap games or finger plays or things like that. She's definitely at the point where she's almost aging out of that. She definitely still has you know, lots of wonder left in her life. And there is a place for these fairy tales and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we are just taking it maybe to a different a different level. But yeah, I also so- my other kids are three and six, and they just completely right. love all of the songs and poems and things like that still.
0: Great. And what have you transitioned to kind of curriculum wise? Are you designing your own Charlotte Mason kind of philosophy education? Or are you following a certain curriculum? I never thought I would be a person who
1: really liked to piece together my own curriculum. I'm definitely more of like a box checker type person. Mm -hmm. And I really thought I would be somebody who would want an out-of-the-box curriculum that I could just say, here, it's all done for me. It's ready to go. But I think I quickly realized that that doesn't work for all kids. (laughs) And it doesn't work for all parents teaching those things. So while... Some of those curriculums are really great and it's such a good option for parents who need it. I think the beauty of homeschool is that we have this opportunity to custom design an education for our children. So I really have taken that to heart and really been able to look at exactly what my daughter's needs are and what my needs are and our needs as a family and kind of design our own curriculum with some really good guides, not to say that I do it all just on my own. I, you know, put a lot of faith and trust into some people who have gone before me. Like when we started, I started following Ampleside Online, which Mm -hmm. is a, a free Charlotte Mason curriculum. And it's basically, it gives you kind of a scope and sequence and a book list. And so we started with that. And then I I found that that wasn't quite a great fit for us. So there is another one that's kind of similar to Ampleside called Wildwood Curriculum. And we started following that. And it was a much better fit for us. Some of their book choices are just a little bit more modern. And the schedule is a little bit lighter. And it's a little more true to what Charlotte Mason designed for her schools back when she was alive. So That has been a really good fit for us. I've also done consultations with Delectable Education, which are some lovely ladies who really have studied Charlotte Mason's programs and they really know books really well. And one of the hallmarks of a Charlotte Mason education is living books and these just beautiful books that really bring any subject alive. And living books are usually written by somebody who really has a familiar knowledge of the subject. So we might, you know, for example, reading a book about travel, you know, this person has actually gone to these places and they're able to describe in such detail in just such a way that really brings these places alive. So finding these living books can be more challenging because today we have so many books at our fingertips, but I don't know if anybody else, you you know, if you go to the library back in the days when we could go to the library, right. You go to the library and you keep, you're searching and searching for books. And there's a lot of not so great books out there these Mm -hmm. days. And I could search the shelves for a good book and I come up empty handed. So I realized I needed a little more help because I don't know what books are out there. There are so many books available. It's really hard to narrow down which books are really going to be the ones that are going to capture your kids' attention, which ones are going to be the ones that are going to make that imprint on their hearts. Mm -hmm. So the ladies at Delectable Education, they actually have a living book library, and they just have a really amazing knowledge of books. And so I have spent most of our, you know, any help that I get in designing my curriculum would be in help in selecting books so that we can have the best books
0: for our homeschool. Yeah, I'm definitely too much of a book junkie over here. So I'm always ordering more books and researching more books. And that's, you know, we're kind of Charlotte Mason to a T, but we actually end up just reading way more. So we're almost more on the literature based side. But how would you say like, what's your daily rhythm? Do you kind of set to that strict Charlotte Mason, you know, only so much time and kind of do you have that discipline and your daily rhythm and give our listeners a little bit of an idea of your daily rhythm.
1: Yeah. So I have done it a few different ways. I'm sure just like you, it takes a little bit of trial and error and practice to get your rhythm in place. And every year is a little bit different as I've gone from, you know, having toddlers or a a baby added to the mix. You know, there's always life that's happening. This past school year, we moved. Like two weeks into our school year. So, you know, there's always things that are happening. So it takes a little bit of adjusting, but I would say we are at our best in our homeschool when we do follow a pretty rigid schedule just for our formal lessons. So, we, my daughter, she's just finished third grade, Form 1A upper, which in Charlotte Mason terms. And, you know, we spent probably about two hours four days a week on our lessons. And when I reserve those two hours for our lessons and we go through and we have a pretty strict schedule of, you know, we're spending 20 minutes on history, we're spending 10 minutes on geography. And I set a timer and we go through all of those lessons. They're very short and it keeps us engaged because we might be going through, you know, eight or 10 subjects in just one day. But I have found that That is not the way that my daughter prefers to learn things that she's super interested in. So, you know, most kids, they really grab on to certain ideas and I'll never be able to predict what those ideas are going to be because something will just grab her attention and it's probably not what I thought it would be or not what I expected it to be. For example, we read a biography this year about Amelia Earhart and I thought, You know, she was just going to love Amelia Earhart because, you know, she's a strong woman and the mystery of it. But my daughter was really obsessed with the airplanes, not really Amelia Earhart, but the airplanes. So what I love about the Charlotte Mason style of learning is that we have these pretty rigid parent led lessons in the morning. But then if we're only doing that two hours a day, and we only do four days a week, we have the rest of our days for exploring these topics that the children are interested in. So we were able to dive into airplanes in the afternoon when you know that was something that my daughter was interested in. We could do extra research. We watched documentaries. We built some really crazy paper airplanes and models and things like that. So there is lots of opportunity for diving into interest, there's also lots of opportunity for spending time outdoors, which is another just really important part of a Charlotte Mason education. So, you know, I mentioned that we moved out to the country so that we could have this land. And we have since moved back toward the city, but we still have land, but makes it a little easier for us to get to extracurriculars and things like that. But we you know want to spend as much time outside as possible and we do have chores with our chickens and the garden and tending to you know pulling weeds and all these things so getting outside that's probably something we do first thing right away we'll either go take a walk right now we're kind of on a summer schedule so we start our every day with a walk we'll go to a park or just walk here on our property but Definitely getting outside and getting some sunshine and fresh air is so key for us, especially for my little ones who aren't doing lessons yet. They need to move their body and get out there and run some energy off because otherwise when we try to do our lessons, it doesn't go well for anybody. So we like to get outside, then we can get our lessons done and then we just have the rest of the day for embracing interests and doing handicrafts and whatever comes along that interests us.
0: Yeah, that's great. I totally agree with you and I was wanted to kind of dive into it's hard when you've been publicly educated to pull away from those academic demands and kind of in those early years and that's what I too love about Charlotte Mason is it's like, oh, you're just preparing this feast for your child and just really slowing down because it's the only time of their life. They're a child and don't have to worry about those pressures. And so what would you say, how was that? Did you find it difficult when you were kind of pulling away? Like, did you ever get sucked into, oh, I have to do this, 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 like that checkbox? Or were you able to just separate out and trust in the philosophy of it and just go with it and allow that space for childhood?
1: Yeah, I think that you're right, that that is so hard because most of us have not lived that. Growing up, like we just lived something completely different, and society tells us that you know the traditional way of schooling is the way that it should be. Like, we get those messages in so many different ways that it's really hard to break free from it. And I'll say it wasn't an easy transition for me. I told you, I read for the children's sake when my daughter was two. Before I had read it, I had sent her to preschool because all of my other friends were sending their children to preschool. So I thought, well, let me just put her in. So I put her in a two day a week preschool. And, you know, they were sitting at the table doing their ABC worksheets and things like that. It was very cute. She would send home her papers every day and it was adorable. And so when I decided we were going to homeschool, I started using a curriculum called Five before five in a row. There's five in a row that and then the before five in a row is for the really little ones. So I started using it. And if I had used it as it was intended, it would have been a great curriculum, but Once you go on Pinterest, like you're just doomed. So I got on Pinterest and I saw all these just great ideas. So there's all these people talking about, you know, you read a book like a classic children's book like Blueberries for Sal, which is a sweet, sweet book about little bears and a little, the little child picking blueberries and they go can them and it's just cute. So in the, the curriculum, you're just supposed to read the book. You notice things with your children. It just provides like conversation topics. But once I got on Pinterest, I thought, oh, well now we can do blueberry math. We can do blueberry science blueberry this, blueberry that. We painted with blueberries. We did a blueberry scavenger hunt. We made a bear craft with a paper plate and put yarn all over it. We did all the things. And after a few of those, when I realized I was putting in like 99% of the energy into these crafts and my two-year-old literally could not have cared less about these things, I realized, you know, there's something not right here. Like this is a little off balance. And like, I don't need to go to preschool. Like I'm in my 30s. Like this is not necessary for me. So what should a two-year-old be doing if they're not supposed to be doing paper plate crafts? and, you know, painting with blueberries because Pinterest told me. So it was a bit of a transition to realize that children are really just so smart and they really know what they need if we just allow them the time, the space, and the freedom and the luxury of just being children. So we started spending more and more time outside and just going on adventures and taking walks with no real purpose except for getting outside and seeing what we could see. And we started to see birds and notice them and learn f- about flowers and learn different trees in our areas. And along the way, you know, we'd be walking on trails and singing songs, or we might take a nature journal and paint. You know, once we got home, just paint whatever we saw or encountered on our trip, but not in a forced way. And that's where I started to realize that a lot of the education that I was trying to push onto my daughter, it would be a great opportunity for me to take that and take that time to spend it on myself. So instead of trying to get my two or three or four-year-old to paint in a nature journal, I just painted in my nature journal and took the time to start studying things around me and learning things that I never learned because I'm sure, you know, most of us had a lot of gaps in our education and there are a lot of things that I had no idea about before I started homeschooling. So those younger years are a great opportunity to find just like your children that might do when they're a little bit older. You know, if there's something you're interested in, pick up a book and read about that topic. Like my husband and I had watched a show on... TV about like the Tudor era and I was really interested in Mary Queen of Scots and I thought I want to read about her so I went and I got a book and I started reading it and it was fascinating learning about a subject that I really had no idea about because I honestly don't remember learning anything about that in school and so it's a great opportunity to just take what interests you and start pouring the education into yourself instead of pushing it onto Mm -hmm. our children. And that's what I've learned to do. And now that I have three kids, I have done a better and better job with each child. So Mm -hmm. my current youngest, my three-year-old is just a complete wild child. She has never had to do anything in her whole life regarding (laughs) schooling or academics. And it's just amazing to watch her (laughs) and my my six-year-old is the same way and he is just now starting to get interested in academics so it's really sweet to watch the transition to when you're not pushing it on them like how it naturally happens that he just little by little has started to ask you know hey what's that letter or oh that's a letter that's in my name Or he'll start to notice numbers or say, hey, give me a math problem to do like you give Mm -hmm. sister one. So he's just now getting interested in when we start our school year in the fall, we'll start his formal lessons for the first time and it will be Such a delight and such a surprise to him because he hasn't had to do any of that so far.
0: Good. I love that. And yeah, that's my favorite part about homeschooling that I so was not expecting. It's like I love it even more because I'm like learning, I feel like for the first time. You know, when you're put in school just six to eight hours a day, you know, you just kind of go through the motions. And then learning it as an adult and planning things for your children, it's almost, I think that's part of why us first-time homeschoolers will dive in too much, especially with that first one, because we're so excited and we just kind of want to throw it all on the plate. But it's really, it's like that's the biggest lesson. Like when I reflect back, my children are around the same age as yours. And you know, I just did way too much too fast and then needed to slow it down. And so my second one, I see, oh, okay, yeah, that natural wonder and not rushing it because really it's like less is more all in the Charlotte Mason philosophy. I wanted to ask you, what would you say for, you seem to be a really crafty person and you naturally like crafts, like even painting in your nature journal. I love that. What would be your tips for moms who just are not crafty at all? Like they look at the craft supplies and they just see the mess or they get overwhelmed because say they never did crafts as a child, how would you help kind of advise them to diving into embracing the craft life? Okay. So
1: I am not a crafty person, number one. So I think from my experience, anybody can do these kinds of things because, and it really just takes a desire to want to learn new Mm -hmm. things. So when my daughter was two and I first read about Charlotte Mason's philosophy, and she talks a lot about you know, when th- you're outside playing and letting the children frolic in the grass, you know, mother is sitting there doing her like needlework and things sitting there. And I'm, I was looking at it thinking, I have never sewn anything in my life. I, well, I sewed in eighth grade in home ec. That was it. That was the extent. I never had anybody in my life who sewed. I never knew anybody who did these kinds of crafts. And I remember picking up a needle felting kit and trying it. And then I sold it at a garage sale because I thought, oh my gosh, like I could never do this. So I sat there and I tried it. I gave up on it. And once my daughter started getting older and started having a desire to create these things, and I wasn't going to be satisfied with just, here's, let's make this bear out of a paper plate and me telling her what to do with it. Because then when we have this finished paper plate bear, like what were we going to do with it? And I am a minimalist at heart. I'm not going to say I'm an actual minimalist, but I'm a aspiring one that will likely never get there. But I don't like to have this extra clutter around. And it really made me think like, why are we going to do this craft if I'm literally just going to take it and throw it away? So why don't we put our effort into doing crafts and craft projects that are going to be more useful for us? And Charlotte Mason has a couple of guidelines on what she considers handicrafts some of those are that it should be teaching a skill that they're going to be able to learn later in life and I have found that we can teach these kids even as young as two and three and four they can start learning these skills like but all three of my kids can hand sew really great and you know that's the foundation for being able to mend your own clothes when you're older to sew on a button or fix a zipper things that in our completely disposable society where something breaks and you just throw it away because you can so cheaply get a new one. That's not the attitude that I want my kids to have. I really want them to have a fix it. I can do it attitude about all of these things. So I had to have that attitude about crafts. Like, okay, I can do it. I can learn anything. YouTube is amazing. You honestly can learn anything from YouTube. So when your children are young, that is a great opportunity to start learning these things. And really, I just start one thing at a time. And I started, I think I started, besides my failed needle felting project, I started with embroidery. And I bought an embroidery sampler off Etsy. And I started watching YouTube videos. It literally took me about two months to figure out how to thread the needle until I found a friend to show me how to do it because I could not understand it. Embroidery to me, I thought you put the thread on the needle, like tie a knot and then you start going. I didn't realize you have to split the thread into like different threads and then you loop it through halfway and tie the knot on the end. So it's a little more complicated than I thought it was going to be. It's super simple, but if you have never done these things, it can be challenging. So, I learned with embroidery that I like to have a real life person even though YouTube's amazing. I do like a real life yeah. person to help me with these things. So, I've just taken crafts one at a time. So, embroidery, crochet, knitting, you know, sewing on a sewing machine, all these things and I'll just find a friend, beg them to come over and help me learn a craft. I am not good at any of them. I honestly can say, you know, I've never made anything amazing, but just knowing how to do these things and being able to teach your children, and maybe they're not going to be amazing at these things either. And I don't have any aspirations or high hopes for them, but... I will say by exposing them to all these different kinds of things, it's really great because just like in academics, you never know what's going to make that connection for them Mm -hmm. and what they're really going to embrace and pick up on. And my daughter right now, she's currently obsessed with sewing on a sewing machine. Wow. Just did a sewing project before this. And, you know, she's really, she's learned the basics of sewing and now she's able to take the excitement and the passion that she has for it, and really bless others with it, which my middle child, my son, recently burned his hand and had a pretty bad burn. We spent a little time in the hospital, in and out, and one of the times we were at the hospital, when we got home, she brought him a little gift, and she had sewed him a little pillow for his arm because he couldn't really rest it on anything hard. And she sewed him this pillow and I just lost it because it was just the purest example of taking these skills that you've learned and the love in your heart and turning it into something Mm -hmm. outward to give to somebody. And it was so beautiful. And I thought if she does that, like for the rest of her life, what an amazing blessing she's going to be to the world by just taking these gifts and pouring them out onto others. So I was so proud of her and that makes it all worth it to learn these different crafts that maybe I'm not super interested in, or I don't love, you know, I don't care for messes in my house, so painting is not something I love doing, but again, it's something that I feel really strongly that we should expose our kids to. Mm-hmm. I am not an artist. I am super not creative. Like I cannot draw even stick figures. <laughs> and but little by little, the effort pays off. So I'm not going to say I'm an amazing artist now, but it definitely there's improvement. And I think that the same thing we would expect from our children to just continuously be improving, we can expect from ourselves. So, you know, I've been trying to keep a nature journal for probably six or seven years now. And so all of that time, you know, definitely makes it easier to do
0: good yeah and what an encouragement because you know that's part of like we live in this internet world where what you see online isn't always how it is so someone who were to visit your blog they just think oh she's so crafty and what an encouragement to know hey you can learn it too and that's i find so important in the homeschool because i myself i'm not crafty at all but i've persevered like i just recently learned crochet and i'm so grateful and yes. you know it's like my boys you know and then i made myself sew like little bit by little bit. And they're like, wow, you sewed that? Because they saw my struggle of, oh, I can't do this. And then keep trying and persevering. Because oftentimes we live in this immediate culture now where it's like, oh, you just buy the dress and it's already made where 200 years ago, they had to make the dress. And I think it's really important that children see their parents going through that in the homeschool family unit, because then they get excited to want to grab onto something new or persevere through something that might not come easy or naturally to them. And then you're left with, you know, like these skills you said, and what a great story about your daughter and son. I bet you put that, do you have a commonplace book? I you, do. Did yes. you put that story in there? Yes. Yeah. To reflect <laughs> on. So awesome. Absolutely. And so I want to ask you, you talked about living books earlier. What are a few of your favorites that you guys have read over the last two or three years? Like just maybe three or four.
1: Oh my goodness. There's so many. (laughs) There are so
0: (laughs) many good books. I will say we
1: love doing family read-alouds and that's probably... Most of the books that our whole family just falls in love with are gonna be those versus our curriculum books where I feel like it's more just my daughter. I feel like when the whole family is invested, it's just something really special. So we this year we had read the wheel on the school. Which was a super special book to us. And I really just made an impact on all of us. And, you know, it's one of those books I had never heard of. I did not um, ever read that before. And so we went into reading it and I didn't even know what to expect and came out of it. Just, it was such a lovely book. And it's about six children who live in a really small town in the Netherlands. And it was just such a really sweet book. So that was a big favorite for this year. And I'm, Putting it, I have kind of a list of our books to, to read it again when my youngest is about my daughter's age so that we can get the joy out of it again.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then you count your read aloud time separate from your curriculum books.
1: Yes, we do. Yeah. We have, usually we'll do like before my youngest still take n- takes naps. So we'll mm-hmm. do family read aloud time before nap time. And then we'll usually do it after nap time or kind of like afternoon when there's a lull in the afternoon, if I'm going to make the kids a snack or something, we'll do, we'll read. We usually have a few books going at once. So we'll have like our nap time book and then our tea time book and
0: um, a
1: few different ones going.
0: Great. Awesome. And so just kind of to wrap it up today, if you were to encourage kind of beginner homeschool moms and say they didn't get to have the opportunity like some moms do when their kids are little, but all of a sudden... I think there's a lot of people being thrown in to homeschooling and they didn't ever plan for it. They didn't prepare for it. And they have varying ages. What would be just a couple of encouraging tips that you would give to beginning homeschoolers?
1: Yeah, I think that situation is so difficult and would be such a challenge So I think in this whole situation that the whole world is in right now, we all need to give ourselves a lot of grace and just a lot of room for flexibility and figuring things out. So like I told you, I'm a box checker and I like to make sure I'm doing everything. But when it comes to our children, I think we have to keep their hearts really at the forefront of their education and just know that our relationship with our children and their stability and safety and their feelings of you know having this stable home life because whatever they had before is now taken away from them is way more important than figuring out division or mm-hmm. you know making sure you're hitting your state's history or whatever the boxes say that you're supposed to be doing And I really think that if we can focus on the home more than we focus on the school, our kids are going to be fine.
0: Yeah. That's what I always say is that, you know, it's not just like school at home or educating at home, but homeschooling really is a lifestyle. And what works for one family might not work for the other family, but that you do it because over time, it just provides such a joy, like you said, and just makes your life so much richer. And it's not about oh, I have to do this, this, and this. It's like, no, what works for you might not work for me. And that's okay. But that really, when you just commit that to God, he will lead you into all the right curriculum, all the right philosophy, and to just keep rolling with it. And children, I think I found it interesting. I have a couple friends who their kids came home last year, and they're actually begging to be homeschooled now. Like they want to be home, because they loved it. And they love being just with their family more. And so I think as more people get into educating at home right now, it's like to just remind them, hey, it's okay. You know, and that in those first few years, there's going to be things that you try that don't work, or your child's not receptive to. And sometimes what works for one kid doesn't work for the next. Have you so you're starting your son this year. So you'll see if things kind of are the same with him, or if he's
1: because do you I, him I've different? I've already noticed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've already noticed he's definitely, I mean, just I think the difference between boys and girls Huge. is a Huge. big difference. So yeah. he is, has a completely different personality. He's got a way different learning style. My daughter would thrive in public school. She would be completely fine. My son would probably one be one that would get a label on him because <laughs> yeah. he's just, you know, in a, a different boy. world sometimes. Right. Yeah. And he needs to be moving and running around all the time. So, you know, if we're, you know, we'll do some little math lessons when he asks for it and, you know, he's upside down doing somersaults <laughs> while he's adding. So this is not like a sit on a desk kind of lesson for him. So some of the things that we use for my daughter are definitely not going to work for him. So
0: we'll, we'll have to feel it out as we go for sure. Wonderful. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for being on the show today. Yes. Thank you. I'm so happy we got to chat. Yeah. Awesome. So that's it for today. Make sure you subscribe. Leave a comment if you've enjoyed today's episode and be sure to check out homeschoolmusings.com to get your free homeschool resources. Happy homeschooling!